Good morning, everyone. Um, it's good to be together again. Uh, we're going to crack on because we've got some important things to look at this morning. So um, I thought it was really powerful what Phil brought this morning. And a real sense in my spirit as I've been praying recently that there was something significant in what God was doing in that moment. Um, as you know, Sarah and I uh, took on the leadership of uh, the church about a year ago, and this first year has been very much a time of just firming up foundations. We spent the first three months just praying. We didn't want to just press in and get on with an agenda, but we wanted to hear God as a church together. had a powerful time gathering together over November, December, and January last year, and then going away as a leadership team and just hearing what God was saying. We've built a new leadership team and over this last year we've been asking God who is it that you have called new community to be what is it that you've said in the past what are you saying for the future and where are you leading us and taking us it's really been a time of building and firming those foundations and now coming into this new academic years we're here in September it's a time for action We've launched the hubs. It's wonderful to see so much take up and enthusiasm and energy. And one of the things we've been doing over the last six months or so is looking really specifically at the core foundations of the community that God's placed us in. What is it that we believe? What are the values that he's called us to live out? And what is his vision for us together for the future? And so we're going to be spending a bit of time over the next uh, few weeks uh, over this month, February, I'll probably get to about the start of uh, November, looking really specifically at the values of this community. But I think what Phil brought was so significant, because if you've been here for many years, there are fewer of us sitting in this room than there were 10 years ago and 20 years ago. God has sent many people out from here to do many wonderful things. But it's easy to feel sometimes a little bit like a remnant, isn't it? Just as the people of Israel... Uh, that he'd been in exile, came back. And there was a joy of return, just as we had the joy of return after lockdown. But that sense of, oh God, what do you have for us now? Where are you leading us next? And I think we're in a really significant moment for that. And uh, as a church leader, I heard someone say recently that um, the higher the level of leadership you take on, the greater the sacrifice. And I've got to be honest and say that I have found myself awake in the night on days recently just calling out to God for our church and for our community. That he would do again among us what he did before. And that he would do it in new ways. That we would see fruit in an abundance that we have never seen before. That we would see men and women, boys and girls coming into faith and seeing this community flourish and thrive and grow. This is a wonderful and beautiful community filled with so many people of faith. But I do believe that he is calling us into a deeper measure of faith. And he's calling us into a deeper measure of holiness. Holiness is not about ticking the boxes and following the right rules. Holiness is about abandonment to the will and the purpose of Jesus. It's about choosing in every part of our lives to make him Lord and Lord of all. Because I heard someone recently say again, if God is not Lord of all in our lives, he is not Lord at all. What does it look like for us as a community to press into radical holiness, which is about the fullness of God's love, 
poured out in us, poured out through us, fully surrendered to him. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's not about ticking boxes or religiosity. It is about abandonment to Jesus, and we've been singing today about the power of his name, about all that he is. And I just pray that we would catch a vision of his glory and a vision of heaven that would allow us to do nothing else but put him front and centre of our lives. I need plan to say any of that. That's why I probably should start my talk, shouldn't I? So as I said, we're going to start looking at our values as we go uh, into this new season. And I'm really excited about this journey that we are on and some of the plans we have over this coming term. And I will reveal a few of those a bit more over the coming weeks. But I want to start by looking back. Phil talked about looking back. And we're going to look back a long way to start with. We're going back 2,000 years to the early church. So by the time that Jesus ascended back into heaven, which was 40 days after his resurrection, he had left the early church with a clear vision for the kingdom of God and for the part that they should play in it. Then 30 years later, Paul writes his letter to the Ephesians and he writes down, puts pen to paper, and writes down that vision, although he's almost certainly quoting from a, an early Christian hymn that probably been sung by, for many years by the early church. And he wrote this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So this was the vision, this was the rallying call of the early church, that everyone, everyone in heaven and on earth would submit to the lordship of Christ, just as they, the early church, had so willingly done. And they knew that they each had a part to play in seeing this vision come to fruition. They'd heard Jesus, his call to action, right as the very last words they heard him say before he ascended to heaven, when Jesus said this to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. And now... The early church, we see the faithful followers of Jesus across the ancient world, helping to bring this God vision into reality, one life at a time, as they spread the good news and they inspire others to accept Jesus as Lord, just as they affirmed. But the early church weren't the only ones with a vision of lordship. The Romans had a strikingly similar vision. Not that one day everyone would submit to Jesus, but that one day everyone would submit to Caesar as Lord. And they were doing a remarkably good job of it. They'd established their empire across the whole of the Mediterranean, even conquered into what's now France and Great Britain. And there were hundreds of thousands of men, Roman legionaries, the might of the army, consuls, governors, who were commissioned by the empire to lead others to accept Caesar as Lord. Two strikingly similar visions. One to make Jesus Lord, and one to make Caesar Lord. Yet two diametrically opposed methods 
of achieving that vision. The Romans sought to achieve their vision by force and by violence. They imposed the lordship of Caesar by the power of the sword. They had already conquered the Mediterranean, France and Britain. They were expanding the empire even further. Rulers of captured nations would often be taken as captives to Rome and then forced to kneel in the ultimate act of submission to Caesar. Kneel before Caesar before being killed. And those who stayed within their nations, the people of the nations, were expected to worship Caesar as a deity. The Jews were the one people given an exception to that. In stark contrast, the early Christians led people to accept Jesus as Lord through powerful demonstrations of love and self-sacrifice. Rescuing abandoned babies, caring for the sick and dying, taking in the stranger. And through their radically countercultural treatment of women and slaves and their radically monogamous sexual ethics. That no one around them could understand. And even when persecuted, they practiced non-violence. Many killed for their faith. Two strikingly similar visions, yet two radically different approaches. Because you see, vision alone isn't enough. It's vital to have clear values that guide the way that you will outwork that vision. To determine how you will and how you will not act in order to realize the end goal. The early Christians were able to live lives lovingly submitted to Christ and through their example win people to Christ because of the teachings of Jesus, because of his radical example of self-sacrifice and because of the power of the Holy Spirit. They understood that the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' manifesto for the kingdom, taught them that they should love their enemies and pray for those who persecute them, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. Give to those in need. Be faithful to their spouse. Not allow anger to control them. They'd seen Jesus not only teach these things. It's one thing to say them, isn't it? It's another thing to live them. But they'd seen Jesus not only teach these things, but live them out as he was arrested and accused and beaten and crucified. He had the power to wipe out the enemies in a single stroke. To come down on the cross and demonstrate his power and his glory. But instead he chose to willingly submit. He turned the other cheek. Prayed for those who persecuted him. And endured the agony of the cross. It was these underlying values. Taught by Jesus. Lived by Jesus. As well as the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That enabled the early church to faithfully live out their mission to see the kingdom of God come and lovingly inspire others to willingly submit to the lordship of Jesus despite horrendous opposition. To the Romans, this looked like weakness. Everything in Roman culture valued power and strength, which is why Christians were so detestable to them. Even the one they were following had been killed on a cross in the most shameful of ways in the Roman Empire. And yet, which values won out in the end? Which vision triumphed? Less than 300 years after Jesus' resurrection, in AD 312, Caesar himself submitted to the Lordship of Christ. 
It was the values of humility and love and service and self-sacrifice and great courage, modelled by Jesus, practised by his believers that overcame the mighty power of Caesar. Vision is important, but values are crucial because values determine the culture. And culture is possibly the greatest factor in seeing vision fulfilled. Of course, that vision that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, has not yet been fully and completely fulfilled. However, today, billions of people across history and today living and alive today and worshipping Jesus across the world on a Sunday with us. Billions of people have willingly confessed Jesus as Lord and have discovered the wonderful joy and peace that that willing submission brings. And we know that because of Jesus' victory on the cross, one day every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we have a vision as a church to play our part in that same kingdom vision that Jesus gave the early church. And our vision is, if anyone can remember it, to follow the way of Jesus, make disciples, and bring life and transformation to every area of Southampton and beyond. It's a kingdom vision that as we choose to put Jesus first in our lives, that we would have deep, life-changing encounters through the Holy Spirit. That as we pray on our own and gather in our hubs and meet together on Sundays, we would be transformed by God's power and his presence. That as we are transformed, we would increasingly share his hope with those around us in our places of work, our schools, our colleges, our neighborhoods, on our streets. That we would gain a new confidence to share openly and honestly in the power of the Holy Spirit that increasingly we'll be sharing Jesus and we'll be sharing stories with one another of our friends and our neighbours and our colleagues powerfully turning to Christ. That as they come to know Jesus, we would see believers in different sectors of our society, in business and education, health and others, coming together, gathering to seek God for their area of influence. Bringing new innovation and transformation to whole sectors of society within our city. And that we would see the city itself begin to change. New jobs created, neighbourhoods transformed, divorce, teenage pregnancy rates, crime rates drop as family relationships stabilise and spiritual and economic hope is brought to our city. That is our kingdom vision. That is what God calls us to take part in as a church. And God calls us to put it into action by loving him, loving one another, and going and making disciples. How do we walk it out? What does it look like? What are the values that shape the culture of this community in order to see that vision fulfilled. I'm going to share these values in a moment, but before I do, I want to start by looking at beliefs, because actually our values have to rest on the foundations of what we believe in order to have any integrity. So what is it that we believe? Well, we can divide our beliefs 
into three specific areas. We've been journeying this as a leadership team. And there are three distinct areas of belief that we uh, believe are really important. The first we're calling our core beliefs, um, which are those beliefs that we would share with the vast majority of other Protestant churches. Then we have what we're calling our new community distinctives. Those are the beliefs that may vary across different Protestant churches, um, but that we believe specifically about certain things. And then we have what we're calling mystery. They're those things that we don't feel is necessary to express a position on. So what do we, as a leadership team, believe? Firstly, to say, underpinning all that we believe are two really, really important things. The foundational understanding that Jesus is Lord, firstly. And that we willingly and lovingly submit to his lordship in our lives and in our church. And secondly, that scripture, that is the Old and the New Testament. Scripture is trustworthy and authoritative in matters of faith and practice. They are the foundations on which the rest of it is all built. So, what are core, uh, what are our core beliefs? Well, uh, two things. We affirm the Evangelical Alliance base of faith and also the ancient Nicene Creed. So just a quick summary of the EA basis of faith, and you can get it on their website. You can find it on our website. Uh, next slide, please. Um, that will give us uh, an idea of what's up there. It's a little bit small to read. But what we're saying, EA basis of faith, is that we believe in one true God who lives in three persons. We believe in the love, grace, and sovereignty of God. We believe in the divine inspiration and supreme authority of Scripture. We believe in the dignity of all people. We believe in the incarnation of God's eternal Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the atoning sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. We believe in the justification of sinners by the grace of God through faith in Christ. We believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we so need the ministry of the Holy Spirit, don't we? We believe in the church, the body of Christ, both local and universal. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. And we believe in the personal and visible return of Jesus Christ one day. Have a look at it yourself. There's a little bit more detail on there. Go onto our website on the About section. You can have a look. And we also uh, believe and affirm the Nicene Creed, an ancient creed. Actually put together not long after Caesar, after Constantine uh, came to faith in Jesus, so about 300 in, in the 4th century. And it gives a detailed understanding of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to really encourage you, if you haven't read either of those before, please do. You can find them on our website, or if you search them online, you'll find them from, I was going to say the original sources, but I don't think they have put the Nicene Creed online back in 375 AD, or whenever it was it was written. But... So what are our NCC distinctives? Well, we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are real and available to us today. The gifts of tongues and prophecy and healing. And that God actively encourages us and empowers us through the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. We believe in women in leadership. That actually women are able to hold leadership positions in the church. And it's important that we champion and encourage women in their leadership roles. 
We believe in believer's baptism. That is that we baptize people once they are of an age that they can choose to follow Jesus for themselves as a direct declaration of their faith. We believe in the sanctity of life. The concept that life begins at conception, not once a baby's born, but from conception. And we believe that there should be dignity and respect for all of life. And it is God's choice when life ends, not ours. And we believe in the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman. So what about the mystery? Certain things, these are certain things that we don't feel the need to take on a position for. And for example, creation, evolution. Is there, was the world created in six days? A literal interpretation of Genesis, or actually was it through a process of evolution? And there are people in this, uh, this room who will believe uh, either of those and be very comfortable with either of those. We don't feel as a leadership team that we need to take a position on that. Or on particular interpretations of, of, uh, of Revelation, pre-millennial, post-millennial. And then, what about a difficult question your kids ask when the hamster dies? Do animals go to heaven? I'm not going to take a position on that. I did have an interesting conversation with Merrick a long time ago about whether there be dinosaurs in heaven. No, that was quite interesting. So if you've got any questions, go to Merrick as the authority. So as a leadership team, that's where we stand. And we just wanted to be clear and, and, and put it out there. Sometimes we've been a bit vague in past years, but we just want to be really clear. That's what we believe as a leadership team as we seek to guide this church and serve this community. But what if you disagree with some of these things and don't hold the same beliefs? Well, I just want to say, you're welcome here in this community. Jesus didn't tell us that we have to agree on everything, but he did tell us that we should love one another. There is room and there is space for question, for doubt, and for differences of opinion. So, what about values? And why are values important? Values guide us as we seek to fulfill our vision. Determining how we behave and how we work it. What we do do and what we don't do. How we prioritize God, how we prioritize each other, and how we live out the mission that we've been called to. Patrick Lencioni, who's an author who's written a lot on values and these sorts of things, he writes this. He says, the importance of values in creating clarity and enabling a church to become healthy cannot be overstated. More than anything else, values are critical because they define a community's personality. Values define who we already are, but also who we want to become. Like a stick of rock, values should be self-evident in all that we do together. They should be reflected in how we live, how we interact with one another, and what we put our energies into. So what are our values as a church? We spent a long time just really seeking God on these and trying to get a sense of what it is God's called us to. And it's surprising how long it takes to narrow down that broader conversation and sense of what God's saying into single words. Okay, so here are the words. Firstly, presence. There are six, by the way. Presence, growth, community, ownership, confidence, and outward looking. And they align to the three key actions that God has called us to. To love God, to love one another, and to go and make disciples. So I'm going to take 
Just a few moments, have a really brief look at each of them. They're all founded on scripture, but over the coming weeks, we're going to look at them in more detail and have a chance to explore the specific scriptures then. But you'll see there is a scripture, a Bible verse just noted at the bottom of each for reference. So firstly, presence. We prioritize God's presence. We want to be led by God in all that we do. We know that God is always with us. But as we turn our attention to him, we become aware of his presence and we experience his leading and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So we prioritize him in our lives. We prioritize him in our community. We choose to seek him in prayer and in scripture. We make room for him in our worship as we've done today. We invite the spirit to lead us moment by moment every day in our lives. We are people of the presence of God. Growth. We equip and empower one another to grow. Together, we want to become mature followers of Jesus, not just just drinking baby formula. We want to grow as confident, mature followers of Jesus, rooted in faith, humble in character, and growing in the gifts that we've each been given, knowing that as we grow in Christ, we become increasingly fruitful. Therefore, we choose to invest in our own spiritual growth and we support and encourage the growth of others equipping one another to grow in faith and character and gifting community it's in the name we create environments where healthy relationships flourish we were created to live in community god exists in community father son and holy spirit so we are created to live in community with one another and with Uh, with God and with each other. We're called to be devoted to one another in love, to honor one another above ourselves, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to mourn with those who mourn, and to joyfully serve the Lord together. And there is so much joy to be found as we serve God together. We thrive in healthy community. In all we do, we strive to create hospitable environments where everyone can find a place to belong. And healthy community can flourish. Ownership. We serve, take initiative, and give of our best. We all have a part to play, every single one of us. And we all have a contribution to make. We are God's church, and together God has given us a vision to fulfill. We choose to give of our best to serve God and to serve one another. We don't wait to be asked, but instead we ask, what part can I play to help this community thrive and fulfill the vision that God has given us? Confidence. We are confident in the power of the gospel to transform lives. The good news of Jesus is central to everything that we do. It is the power of God to bring salvation and redemption and restoration to everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. And because of this gospel, we have discovered the joy of knowing God ourselves, and we cannot keep it to ourselves. As individuals, we share the good news wherever the opportunity arises. In all we do together, we look to create opportunities for others to discover the joy of knowing Christ and his power to transform lives. Outward looking. We reach out to others, serving with love and hospitality. 
Both within this church and beyond it, we extend a culture of hospitality and love. To demonstrate God's love to everyone we encounter. To, those, uh, to welcome those who are new and on the edge. To demonstrate Jesus' love to those who already know him. And to those who have yet to meet him. We're responsive to the needs of those around us, both inside the church and outside the church, because we believe that to love as Jesus loved requires us to demonstrate the gospel, practically, as well as with words. So those are our values. Presence, growth, community, ownership, confidence, and outward listening. We recognize that some of these values are already strongly embedded within our culture, whilst others have more of an aspirational element to them. Confidence in the gospel is something that I really strongly believe that God wants to reignite in us in a fresh way. I believe there are pockets where there is confidence to share Jesus and confidence in the power of transformation, but I believe there is a stirring that God wants to do to give us all a fresh confidence in the power of the gospel, that we would not be able to keep Jesus to ourselves. Following the example of the early church, we want to live out God's kingdom vision in the city and the culture that he's placed us in, here in Southampton. That following Jesus' teaching, living out his example, sharing his love, we would see his kingdom come and his will be done here in Southampton as it is in heaven. Knowing that one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we each have a part to play in drawing that day closer. What a privilege that is. So over the next six weeks, we are going to be looking at each of these values in turn and exploring what do they mean for our community and the way we walk out the kingdom vision that God's given us. And if this is your church, if you count this church home, can I really strongly encourage you to prioritize being here on a Sunday morning over the next next six or seven weeks because this is a really important journey that we journey together and if you are on a rotor on a Sunday you're doing children's work or something else you're out of the room for whatever reason or if you're away at the weekend then can I really encourage you to catch up and go online and listen through this because this is really foundational to who we are and what God is calling us to the beginning of a wonderful journey that God has for us, which is an extension of the amazing journey of the last 45 or so years since he established this church. But we're moving into the next phase, we're moving into a new era, and God has places for us to go, and the power of his spirit to lead us and empower us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have called us together as a body, as a people. That we in Newton Church, those of us in this room, those of us who are regularly part of us who just don't happen to be here today, are part of your glorious bride in the city of Southampton. And we thank you that despite all that we sometimes see going on around us, we can be confident that one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, we just ask that you would take us in all our imperfection and all our frailty and all the bits we try well try to do well and all the bits that we don't do as well that you would take us and take us at our word when we say lord would you use us 
to bring about your kingdom vision for our neighbors and our colleagues and our friends, for the poor and the vulnerable and the sick, that we would extend your love and your compassion in practical ways and demonstrated through action, but also, Lord, you would give us a fresh confidence in what you have done for us that we would not be able to keep our mouths shut and share your good news with courage and humility. That we would increasingly see this city filled with men, women, boys and girls who have made you Lord and living out your purposes. We recognize that we are just one small part of your church in this city. We are surrounded by so many wonderful churches and followers of Jesus. And we pray for them too for a fresh empowering of your spirit, a fresh passion for Jesus, a fresh submission to the holiness of God. And so we say, come Holy Spirit on your church in this city. Fill us up and send us out.